party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, an RPG podcast built for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week I am joined by filmmaker Marks Pyle for the playtest of Shadow of the Century by Evil Hat Studios. Shadow of the Century is the sequel to Evil Hat's legendary Spirit of the Century. It moves the action from two-fisted pulp heroes of the 1930s to damaged new wave action heroes of the 1980s. It's... I love this game, guys. I love it so much. And I, I cannot, cannot wait until it comes out proper so I can spend, like, actual money on it. It is just dripping with 80s charm and flavor, and it's... 80s movie, 80s action movies in particular are a genre that's extremely close to my heart. That whole new wave genre is just... I really like this game. <laughs> A link to where you can find more about the game can be found in the show notes. Unlike our previous Shadow of the Century playtest, this one includes what the game very cleverly calls a pitch session, which is equal parts character and world creation. We lay out what our movie's about, we pick a character, we pick plots and subplots. I think it's really interesting and valuable to hear, particularly for a playtest, but if character creation isn't exactly your jam, skip ahead to about 2025. I don't think you'd miss anything by skipping it. Interested in coming on to the show? Shoot me an email at partyofunpodcast at gmail.com. I am always looking for cool new people to play cool new games with. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, my guest is Mark's Pyle. Mark's, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, so at the top of the show, what we like to do is, um, introduce yourself to the audience, talk a little bit about what you've got going on. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so I'm the author of the book, Television on a Wild Wild Web, How to Blaze Your Own Trail. It's all about how to create your own web series and also talks about the history of web series. Um, so that book's out and I'm also an indie filmmaker. I'm working on various projects, um, and I also have a podcast. I'm a co-host of the podcast Genretainment, where we interview guests every week. Neat, neat, awesome. So, um, you know, we like to play games on this show. Mm-hmm. So um, this week, <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are playing um, uh, the playtest for Evil Hat's new game. It's called Shadows of the Century, and I'm very excited about it. So, um, we featured one of the playtests previously on the show. We just, um, it should have been, unless I'm mistaken, it should be last week's episode. I'm recording this, and this is in the future. Um, so it should be last week's episode. So, we've kind of covered some of the general gameplay mechanics last week. This week I'm really excited because we're going to be featuring, uh, what the game calls the pitch session and character creation, which was all done, uh, offline previously. So you ready to dive in? I am. Cool, cool, cool. So, big picture, um, like I said, we're going to start with what's called a pitch session. Mm-hmm. The big picture of Shadow of the Century is that it is based, it is essentially a game about 80s action movie and TV heroes fighting sort of monolithic authority figure villains. So it's very steeped in that sort of 80s punk rock new wave mythology. So the way that the pitch session works is, in thinking about it like a movie, we're going to sort of come up with the general issues that we're going to deal with, come up with your character idea, and just sort of figure out the tone that we're going for. Okay. And we, we um, so you had mentioned to me a character idea that I was very excited about. 
So okay. why don't you um, reiterate what that is so we can sort of dive in from there? Yeah, so I was thinking about the 80s and um, a couple of different things that I enjoy from the 80s is MacGyver. Of course. And then also martial art movies, you know, like, uh, well, any one of them just about. <laughs> right, right, right. So I thought, let's combine the two. Let's make a character that's like MacGyver, but he's also like a, like a martial artist or a ninja. Right, That's which is awesome. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> so... That kind of sets tells us the kind of story that we want to tell. So, um, going through the pitch session, the first thing that we want to decide is the format, which, because this is going to be a one-shot game, we're going to do treat it as a movie. Uh-huh. So, the, sort of the big ideas there are, like, go big or go home. You know, this is this is it. Like, you know, there's no, there's no um, next episode, so it's kind of all on the table. Okay. The next question I have for you is, in deciding how... Gonzo we want the game to be. How crazy, how, like, if there's going to be magic, science fiction, that kind of stuff, how grounded or not grounded would you like it to be? Kind of on a scale of one to four. One being just, like, action movie, and four being straight-up comic book nonsense. (laughs) Um, you know, let's make it, it'd be nice to have a little bit of ninja magic and and the like mixed in. So let's let's add a little bit of Gonzo in there, but let's not go full blown comic book. So so we'll go two. Level two is uh oh, it's magic. That sounds good. <laughs> the naming mechanics in this game are fantastic. <laughs> so it's uh oh, it's magic, and it's that there's sometimes sometimes magic shows up. Sometimes re- these things go like crazy, but in general, it's going to just be the world as we know it. And then maybe a maybe like a gremlin shows up at the end. Yeah, like, so, like Kung Fu Legend continues. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good to know that we're on the same page. So now we're going to start building uh, your your character and also the the, the story that your character is going to run into. So taking the idea of MacGyver as this sort of you know MacGyver being the classic scientist spy, the guy that you know is called in by the organization that he works for to defuse a bomb because it's always a bomb because it's MacGyver and it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think that your martial arts MacGyver deals with? Um, I think he's going to deal with. I think he he could deal with uh, anything that's semi supernatural or martial artsy or weird sciencey. Okay, I think that's that's fantastic. I'm thinking like, and let me know if you want if you're on a different page. But I'm thinking like I'm kind of leaning towards taking you know a little taking also a cue from it's not quite the same time period, but almost like an Indiana Jones, like ancient forbidden artifacts, that kind of thing. Yeah, like an 80s Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like we're on the same page. So that's, that's, so something to that effect is going to be the big issue. So there's going to be a big issue, which is just the actual plot of the movie. The example given is the terrorists have taken Yakutori Plaza. And then there's a subplot issue, which in the Die Hard example would be, you know, solving his marriage. Okay. So, now that you've got an idea of who the character, like, at least the big picture of the character, uh-huh. let me ask you. So, um, your martial arts MacGyver is going to steal a dangerous artifact before it falls into the wrong hands. Okay. But they've also got to do X. Okay. What is? What do you think X is? They've also got to do X? Is it a personal goal or a, a mission goal? It's a sm- uh, uh, it's a smaller thing, something tangential to the central like plot, but something that um, that is also so. I think it could. It's probably going to be something a little more personal. 
And probably something that is not light, not wor- like not world threatening, not like the thrust of the story, but something that's going to nag, and hopefully get resolved by story's end. So you said he's having marital problems, right? Uh, well, that was just the example that I used. If that's the one you want to run, like I use that just because it's the thing that for, that I remember from Die Hard. Uh-huh. But if if that's what you want to run with, we can run with that. Or if you want something else, um, well, let's run with um, let's have a love interest of some sort, and let's say. Okay. Let's say she's caught in the middle of it. They both had a, they had a fight, and then somehow her job has gotten her in the middle of whatever this scenario is. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got to steal the artifact mm-hmm. and rescue his loved one. That's perfect. And MacGyver always had like a lots of love interests. I don't know. He did. I got it around. He did. It's a hair. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. That's that mullet. You know, they can't. Ladies can't resist the mullet. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so now that we've got the movie set up, now we'll now we get into the meat of the character. Uh-huh. So, this is where we define our aspects. Aspects in fate games are backgrounds, driving plot points, etc. Uh-huh. They're sort of the big things. the The way that they work in the game is that they can help you or hinder you, depending on the situation. If they hinder you now, the, then you can use them later to do cool stuff, boost your roles. Reroll if you do badly, or introduce like a cool plot element. Okay. I feel like we've got a good idea. The first one we're going to come up with is the high concept, which I think we've already sort of laid out. Uh-huh. So, um, if you want to just write down, like, um, is that like his occupation type name, like yeah, MacGyver, yeah, yeah, that's Ninja MacGyver, or is it? Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's basically Ninja MacGyver. Yeah. If there's another, yeah. So, like, uh, kung fu action scientist. Okay. That's going to be, and then that's the way that that's going to work is in play, you have a certain number of fate points. You can spend one of those at any point to do something cool that ties into that. So if you're going to do a crazy martial arts stunt or, you know, build, or, you know, build a, like, build a fire extinguisher out of a paper clip and some shaving cream, mm-hmm. <laughs> you could spend a fate point and say, well, I'm a kung fu action scientist, so I can build my flamethrower out of a uh, shaving cream and a, and a Paperclip. Sounds good. But then the other side of that is if you've su- if I suddenly decide that you I can give you a fate point uh-huh. and say, well, I think that because you're a kung fu action scientist, I think that maybe you've got like a kung fu rival. Uh-huh. And then in that scene, I can be like, well, then your kung fu rival is there, and now you're having a stare down. So it's something bad that that can also like complicate your life. Uh-huh. And that's how you get the points to do cool things later. All right, sounds good. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I, I played Memes and Masterminds before, so it sounds similar. Yeah, they have a similar Benny mechanic. Yeah. So the next thing we're going to come up with is your trouble. Okay. You've got a problem, and this is un- this is separate from like the so from your rescuing your loved one. What's the thing that gets you that gets your character into trouble? So I was thinking once he wherever he went and traveled to to learn his martial art skills. Um, Sort of like uh, a la Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe in a way. His, his clan got taken over by some bad guys, and now it's a bad guy clan. That's why he left, and, and they want your revenge against him. All right, yeah, that's great. So he's got, he's got, he's got a blood feud. Yeah. Just write down blood feud. And then anytime I can come up with a way that that ties into, ties into the, like, the plot, mm-hmm. I can offer you a fake point, and it just costs some trouble. All right, sounds good. So, uh, the next aspect that you'll come up with, 
uh, and I think this will be the last one that we'll come up with. They suggest two more, but we can come up with those either in play or if we feel like doing it, just if you want to get a clearer idea of the character, but it's really your call. The last one is, what's your character's call to action? What's the thing that, that drives him to fight the good fight? What does drive him to fight the good fight? So there's supernatural stuff in this world, right? So yeah. So what if whenever he trained and learned this martial arts stuff, that he, he learned that there are uh, mystical relics out there that can be used for good or evil, and that's why he took this job on, because he hopes to get them all out of the hands of potentially bad guys. That's perfect. So we can boil that down to just saying something like Relic Hunter? Yep, sounds good. And then that's a perfect call to action. So then anytime, like, anytime you want to say, like, oh, of course I know about this, ask this thing, you can give me a fate point and say, well, I'm a Relic Hunter, so of course I know about X. Or, of course I know how to trigger this magical device. Mm-hmm. That'll be useful. And plays up to Indiana Jones angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, exactly. The next phase is cast and villains, but I think that we'll define that in play. That's how we did it last time, and I think that worked really well. Mm-hmm. The way that works is when a character, when an NPC comes up, you and I will just go back and forth of like, well, I think that they have tra- this, they have this trait. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they are really nervous, and then, and like, I would say that, and then you could say like, well, I think that they are a habitual liar. And we'll do that, like, twice, so we'll come up with, like, three or four little things about a character. Okay. Just as we go, and then that way, like, yeah, that way way we get some really interesting NPCs out of it. That's cool. It's like uh, cooperative storytelling, or... Yeah, yeah. So now you're going to pick out the roles that your character sort of fills, sort of the archetypal things that your character's good at. Okay. And we sort of discussed this a little bit. So I was, I, I looked at these, I thought maybe a ninja would be good. Ninjas, yep, ninja's very good. And then um, probably inventor to get that gadgetarian and, and the and duct tape stunt. That's a very MacGyver. That's classic MacGyver. And let's see here. So I, now I, I got to, I can go one of two ways. I was thinking either getting a little more brawling if I want to fight, fight more, or if I want to be a little more MacGyvery. I could do saboteur. See, I, I, if I can make a suggestion, uh-huh. if you don't mind, sure. I, I think between the two, I think the saboteur feels more. I guess I, I think if you want to go for MacGyver, I think the saboteur is better. But if you, if you, if you want to go more Indiana Jones, it's the brawler. So I think that's really the decision that I think it comes down to is sort of the just the tone that you want. I think let's do saboteur. It's something a little, a little different. That's what I was leaning. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I think that it's truer to the character that you had in mind, as I think to do the saboteur. Okay. So, um, for each of those, they each you'll see on the page it has four skills listed. Mm-hmm. Um. So you'll just real quick uh, mark down the four skills for each of those, and if they're mentioned in more than one roll, it'll bump up from a plus one to a plus two. So those are the skills that you get initial bonuses in. And so it's um. So every one of these gives me like a plus one, right? And then yeah, yeah. And if it's and if a skill is mentioned more than once, mm-hmm. like uh, just slipping through them, I see that stealth is mentioned on a few of them. So you'll get uh, you get a, a, that bumps it up to a plus two. All right. So it looks like I have a plus two in knowledge, gadgeteering, and stealth, and then everything else should be plus one, I think. Well, now with skills, is is that it, or based on the Gonzo level, do I get additional skills? Yeah, you get a few additional skills. Um, you get ten points of additional skills. Okay. You can bump anything up to a plus five, but you can actually spend on any skills that you want, including ones that are not just for their for your roles. 
What's uh, resources? Resources is how wealthy your character is. So if you want to use money to get out of a problem, or if you want to say, like, I have this equipment stashed somewhere, that's resources. It's just it's just a an abstract way of showing off, like, the wealth that your character has and what they can do with it. What about insight? Insight is... I want to say insight... Let me, let me look it up right quick, because I want to say it's your ability to... Okay, I think I found it. Page 37. Innovation and instinct. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's your gut hunches. Yeah, it's like uh, empathy and, and notice skills blended together. Okay. So that'd be like spot checks. Well, I don't know. Awareness yeah. might be that too, but... It's like... Um, I, it's, it's equally, it's equally your ability to notice little things on people, but also to be able to read someone and tell that they're lying to you or pick up on someone has hidden something somewhere and sort of get an idea of where it is. So I guess like awareness is more about your environment, whereas insight, like noticing stuff in your environment and, and insights more about people. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. That's, that's, that's the vibe I get. That's cool. All right. So I got 10 points. So, um. I do feel like I need to put at least a, something to insight, maybe just one point, perhaps. Okay. And then I think, I mean, gadgetarian should be really up there. So let's make that, a, let's put three more points in that. All right. And that's going to put it up to a five. All right. And then I would say, so what's like burglary is, I mean, I kind of guess what that is, but. That's burglary stuff. <laughs> stealing, stealing, lockpicking, disabling devices, all your classic D&D thief stuff. All right, so since I'm not going to always fight head-on, let's get a little bit, get some stealth in there. Let's make that a five. Okay. So that's seven points used up so far. So three more. And why don't I use three more in... I'm supposed to be martial arts, so I need at least one more point in fight. <laughs> um, so let's put, let's put one more... Let's put one point each in awareness, fight, and burglary. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle. The last two pieces, there's two pieces left of the puzzle. Okay. <laughs> um, you get three stunts. Alrighty. From any of those uh, roles that you chose. Okay, so... You can pick three, any, three, uh, three stunts total, you can choose from any of the ones that you chose a thing for. So let's get and duct tape, where I can combine like up to three or more things, mundane okay. things. To do macgyver things. Uh, Ninja um, from the Shadows would be good. Just knock out some people occasionally. From the Shadows, for the listeners at home, when you're in a fight with mooks, it lets you just knock one out. Solid snake style, basically. And Saboteur. What do you think? Always the Red Wire or Connoisseur Saboteur? I, I think for... I'm leaning towards Always the Red Wire. Always the Red Wire allows you to, like, instantly diffuse bombs equal to or less than your gadgeteering rating, and... I think that's that's very... I think that's that's more MacGyver. Yeah. I think if that's sort of the tone that we're going for, I think that his him just being supernaturally good at stopping bombs is very true to that, to... <laughs> yeah, it is. To the, story that, the stories that they told. All right. In which there was a lot of sweating and looking at a bomb and then just clipping a thing. <laughs> All right, so... And, and duct tape from the shadows and always the red wire. Alright, um, so that with that, we are ready to go. I just want to make sure that you note down... Um, oh, I decided this character because he's a martial artist, and because, and more so because he's macgyver He's he has that code where he'll never use a gun. That makes sense. That makes, that makes perfect sense. That's, yeah, I don't even, don't even think that was ever a question. <laughs> 
You never know. Have you seen Batman lately? That's true. Yeah. Ugh. So uh, you start out with three refresh, which means you have three fate points at the beginning. Okay. Um, and then you have three stress boxes. You have three physical stress boxes, which means that you can take the way um, I'll explain how stress boxes work a little bit, and then we'll explain it more if it comes up. Is each box represents a certain number of damage that you can take. When you run out of stress boxes, you're out of a fight. So you have a one stress box, a two stress box, and a three stress box for physical damage. Okay. And then you have a one stress box and a two stress box for mental damage. So what it, what that means is if you take, if I deal you three damage, you can just mark off that three damage box. Uh-huh. And then that's it. Like, you don't have to mark off all three boxes. The other thing that you have is three consequence slots. These are another way for you to take damage. So if I deal you four damage, you can only mark off one of those stress boxes. So you, in theory, would have, would be out of the fight because you can't, you only take up the three stress in a box. Okay. But if, with a consequence, you can say, I'm going to mark off that two stress box and take a two point consequence. That becomes an aspect that represents you getting hurt. So like you sprained your ankle. Then what I can do is invoke that for free and make your life difficult. Because now you can't run away from... Now you can't run away from the monster that's chasing you. Mm. But you get to stay in the fight for long. Okay, that's cool. You, for these, you have a mild consequence, which is two, and goes away like at the end of a scene. A moderate consequence, which is for four points, and goes away, I think, at the end of the adventure. And then a severe, which is six points, and goes away long... And is like a long-lasting thing that you have to get treated. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Well, with that, I think we are ready to go. Probably if I get full consequences, I go into a coma and think I'm back during Camelot days, right? That was one of the MacGyver so, movies. <laughs> something, something like that. One of those weird dream you episodes. Know, <laughs> oh, the dream episodes are the best. Okay, so we are ready to go. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Do you have any other questions before we dive in? Nope. nope I'm ready. Okay. All right. We open on a helicopter. You are in the passenger seat. Um, let's dive right into some cast creation. Okay. Because in front of you is a military official, which I should ask you, are you, is, um, well, we should give your character a name first and foremost. I just realized that we went through this entire process and didn't just... <laughs> Names. Yeah, right? Um, let's stick with the guy, let's like call him like, uh, I need like a name generator thing to help me out. Let's call him... Dr. Mac. Dr. Mac. <laughs> yeah, people call him Dr. Mac. How about that? I like that. All right, Dr. Mac. So, Dr. Mac, um, there's a military official ahead of you. You're on a helicopter. You've been scooped up. Are you affiliated with the military? Are you a free contractor? Are you here reluctantly, willingly? Uh, willingly, but I'm more like a contractor. Okay, cool. Um, so, the military official in front of you, let's call him Sergeant McDade. Let's brainstorm a few different things about him. I will go first and say that he is... In that he is a military official, he is old and cranky. Okay. So what do you think in terms of either, like, a physical detail, a mental detail, a, a voice note, a piece of backstory, something, like, just spitball something about this character? So I kind of picture, on top of that old and cranky, let's make him, um, are you familiar with the actor who played in Avatar as the main bad guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's Michael Ironside, yeah. right? No, no, my, yeah. not my, it was, no, it's not Michael Ironside, I don't think. Um, 
No, I do know the guy you're talking yeah. about, though. It's not Michael Ironside, but I know the guy you're talking about. Yep. Guy from Avatar. Yep. Let's make it. He looks like that. And so he's, he's pretty, you know, he's an older guy, but he's, he's got some muscles. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, I think that he, going with the old and jacked, I think that he's got a pretty notable scar on his face. Okay. Sounds good. So I think he's seen some real, he's seen some shit. <laughs> All right, now give me one more thing, and then we'll, and then, then, then I'm ready to play this character and give you your mission briefing. Let's say that the scar uh, came about from a magic relic. Ooh, I like that. So he he definitely does not like magic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're on this helicopter. You've been scooped up by uh, Sergeant McDade. So you're a contractor. So let me ask you, just for the opening scene of our movie, what does your day to day look like? I'm imagining the helicopter interrupts whatever you're doing to just land in front of you and scoop you up and take you off to who knows where. <laughs> I think he makes uh, enough money doing this that he sort of just he does a, he's a wandering traveler kind of thing, and but he's got a GPS tracker on him so the government can find him wherever he's at anytime. Yeah, all right. So I think he's climbing a mountain. Yeah, that sounds good. And we get that great shot of him, like, staking the ground as he walks, and his face is covered up, and a helicopter lands in front of him, and that's when he pulls down the mask, and it's and that's when we see that it's Dr. Mac. <laughs> and Sergeant McDade is like, get it. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so now you're flying over a jungle. Okay. And McDade, he, he's shouting, but I'm not going to shout, because the microphone is very close to my face right now. <laughs> he's like, Mac? You know I don't like this magical stuff, but there's an artifact that's fallen into the wrong hands, and god damn it, you're the only one that I trust to get it. But I need to warn you about something. First and foremost, what is the name of your your uh, romantic interest? Um, let's call her Julie. Julie, I've got to warn you about something. You're not going to like it, but Julie's here. What? How? She was on the job. She was covering the, She was covering it. We told her not to go in, but you know Julie. She's that type of girl. So she's down there somewhere. I'm sorry to put this on you, but they've got the sword of McLeod, and if they and if it falls into the wrong hands, God only knows what could happen. <laughs> Not the sword of McLeod. Sword of McLeod. What do I know about the sword of McLeod? Why don't you make me a knowledge roll? Now you're gonna have to. I know there's like fudge. I don't have fudge dice or fate dice. Oh, you can. What you can do is what I've been doing is just taking two regular six sided dice. Mm-hmm. It works best if you have two different colors, but it's not super necessary. Is you take two dice, you roll them, and you subtract one from the other. Okay. That's why it helps if you have two different colors, so you can designate one as the positive and one as the negative. Mm-hmm. And then you just subtract the negative from the positive, and that should give you a result that is normally um, fudge dice. Are they're marked with only a plus, a minus, or a zero? So with four of them, you're getting a range from like minus four to four with an average around zero. Um, and then if you just do a d6 minus a d6, it's like in the, it's close enough to that that they suggest that that's a viable alternative. Okay. Unfortunately, I have one d6 on me right now. Of course. So you can just roll it twice and then take the first result, uh, subtract the second result from the first result. Okay. So let's do that. So I'm assuming what this is knowledge or. Yeah, yeah. Make me a knowledge roll. Okay. So first row is a four. The All right. Second row is a three. Okay. So you've got a plus one plus your knowledge two. So that's a three. 
So that is just enough to know uh, the important things about the Sword of McLeod. Okay. The Sword of McLeod is a very rare and valuable, it's kind of like a scimitar that was sort of thought to be lost among, like, the Spanish conquistadors. Despite the fact that it's called Cloud. It's a weird, it's a weird, uh, <laughs> it's hard to trace the ancestry of these old weapons. <laughs> but it's like, it was used by, it was used by Spanish conquistadors. Okay. Um, it sort of fills a similar mythological role of, like, an Excalibur, mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be, like, the sword of the king, to the point where there's some mythologies that say that it has the power to rally people to your army under almost, like, mythical powers. Hmm. Okay. Someone has found the Sword of McLeod, and Julie is is covering this case and is... Somewhere in in the jungles below. Now, now I'll ask the sergeant who who is they? Who's got her? It's a paramilitary outfit. They're mostly mercenaries. They're, but uh, we suspect, and uh, this is strictly off the record because obviously the United States military would never ever dare to suggest that an American corporation was anything other than one hundred percent legit. <laughs> Rumors have it that they're tied to Aegis Defense Technologies. <sighs> It's always them. <laughs> always. Um, do we know anything else? Like how many there are, where they're keeping her? Where's the sword at? We know that they've got a small encampment, maybe about two, three miles from the drop zone. Because we can't drop you exactly there, because they'll see us coming. So we'll drop you a few miles. Um, the sword should be with the head mercenary, a guy named Dutch. From our records, our intel suggests that they'll be meeting with some Aegis arm dealers sometime around in about 24 hours. They've scheduled a flight. They are on their way. So you've got 24 hours to get in there, get the sword, avoid getting caught. And and this is the moment when he, like, puts his hand on your shoulder. Uh-huh. <laughs> and for God's sakes, man, bring Julie home. <laughs> We've all lost too many people that we love. Oh, I will. So with that, the helicopter goes down. We get a big wide shot of this endless jungle. The kind of endless jungles that only exist on sound stages. <laughs> and we cut, and you've just landed. You've been, you've been like, parachuted out. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so you are in the jungle. About You've been given, like, a rough sort of map of the area okay. on your 1980s, like... Dick Tracy watch, which is just basically a smart watch. <laughs> <laughs> I love this technology. It's cutting edge. <laughs> cutting edge. Um, all right. So, so make me. So, um, let me ask you, actually, up front. Huh? How? What's your? What's your? What's your plan here? Like, and then we'll sort of determine the next role you're going to make. <sighs> I guess. What time of day is this right now? We'll say it is midday. The sun is high in the sky. It is hot. You are you are sweating like it is hot. It is sticky. It is gross. There are mosquitoes abound. Hmm. You've just landed. It, it is the ground is wet and swampy. So what I probably should do is kind of scout out the area around there a little bit, so I can get some okay. intel of how many there are, where they're at, kind of deal. And what I'd probably like to do is wait until nighttime, and then I'm going to use a combination. If if I don't get interrupted before then, I'm gonna try to use maybe both my little ninja skills plus lure them out in some traps. Perhaps I can like build traps around the area. Go from there. Okay, that sounds great. So first, I'm gonna ask 
what we're going to do is one of the uh, types of actions in a fake game is called creating an advantage. Okay. What that does is it creates an aspect, just like the ones on your character sheet, that um, when you that is just an advantageous thing mm-hmm. that you can then you get a free invocation of it. Okay. So you can you get basic you can invoke it for free to, to add a bonus to a roll or re-roll or add a narrative element. So I'm going to ask you for an awareness roll. Okay. Create uh, an asp- or an advantage, something related to like knowing the lay of the land. Okay. Let's see how I do on this. So first dice is uh, two, and second dice is one. Okay. So you got a three. Okay. Uh, that is exactly enough to create an advantage. So we'll say lay of the land, and you get a free invocation of that. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you for a stealth roll. Stealth as you sort of navigate the area and get yourself into a position, as you both navigate your way to the camp quietly and stealthily, and sort of navigate yourself into a position where you can sort of set up some ambushes. Okay, sounds good. I got plus five in this one, so I'll play out a little bad. And I rolled a three. Okay, so you got a five. I'm going to roll for them to see what they get. Okay, so we're going to jaw dive right in because they rolled very, very well. Uh Uh-oh. So we're going to dive into our first scene where you are going to face a few mooks. Okay. These are are the bottom tier guys. So you are, like, sneaking through the bush and kind of, like, creeping around. And you, like, there's a pathway that you're kind of staying off of. And what happens is you see three guys... In, like, commando gear. So the big tactical vests with no sleeves. Okay. If you just picture the guys from Predator, (laughs) it's like three of those dudes. We're all muscular and oiled up, and one of them is a professional wrestler. (laughs) Basically, I'm the Predator, and they are the the soldier guys. Yeah, exactly. So, like, what happens is... Let me see, because I think I might... Yeah, so that's the thing, is that you are... Is you're currently in the shadows... And there are these three guys that are basically on you. Like, you're, they're all maybe, like, 10 to 20 feet away. So I have that from, from the shadows move, but that's only for one character, right? Yeah. So, do you think, the way they're moving, would I be able to, like, take out one quietly? Abs- from the absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the nature of the stunt, is that, like, is that the question? The answer to that question, because you have that stunt, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Okay. It's a thing where you would have to make a roll unless you took the stunt from the shadows. So yeah, you absolutely. So we get that shot of the three of them, and you hear them talking, mm-hmm. and they're like, they're like, they get reported here in a helicopter in the area, fellas. So uh, and you get that front that we get that great like front on shot where they're walking, and one of them is just gone, <laughs> and they just don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your next move? They have not noticed your presence. There are two of them left. One of them is he's got his weapon, he's got his gun stashed around on his back, like strapped to his back and he's like picking at his nails with a knife. He's sort of a weaselly guy. And then the other guy looks suspiciously like let's say the ultimate warrior. Tiltor. <laughs> Yeah, he's making a transition into acting roles now. Let's let's, and this is nineteen eighty whatever. It's nineteen eighties, so it's the peak of his career. 
The guy looks kind of like the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Well, I wish I had time to set some traps first. Um... Well, they haven't noticed you. If you want to, if you want to make that as a roll and see if you can pull off some traps without them noticing, that'd be nice. Just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let me try to make some kind of trap. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Maybe something that will spring out to hit them if they follow me or something like that. That makes sense. So we will call that a... That would be a gadgetry roll. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. That's what we'll call it. All right. So I got a plus five in that. So let me roll here. Okay, I rolled a six. I can't remember if that's good or bad. No, I can't remember. Uh, the first result's good. Okay, good. And a one. So that's really good. That's very good, because they also, they rolled a minus four. Woohoo! And even with their combat skill, that is a one. So you have succeeded with style. <laughs> what that means is, in fact, I'm just going to make this, yeah, what happens now. Okay, yeah, this is going to be, just like we did earlier, this is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Where now you have traps laid. Okay. You have two free invocations of that to add to rolls, do attacks, that kind of thing. Okay. So on, so now I'm going to have them take a move of, like, trying to find you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that if they fail this, then we'll use one of those invocations to deal them some damage and take them out. Okay, sounds good. Can I lure them with uh, predator noises? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> is they, hear, they hear the... And then they're like, what? What was that? <laughs> yeah. So what I want you to do right now uh-huh. uh, is describe to me how both of these mooks get taken out by traps. <laughs> like, describe to me the traps that take out these two mooks. Um, so let's have... So I make those noises, have some bushes yep. area, so that gets them going over there, like, trying to figure out what's what's going on, the weird noises. And th- that's when they also notice that they're missing a guy, too. Yep. And... Where's t- where's Tank? Where's Tank? <laughs> and let's have it to where, as they approach, uh, like a big old branch that's been, like, set to spring, uh, springs, and smacks them both, like, an upper body part, okay. and kind of, like, whips them around, and they fall into this little ditch pit thing. Perfect. That is perfect. That is... spec. Yeah, I love it. That's so good. <laughs> All right. So, the the path is clear now. Um, ooh, I think there's... A, yeah, the path is clear. The last shot that we get before we, like, pan over to the camp, or before we, like, like wipe over to the camp, is there's, there's, the, there's this great like shot from the ground up shot of um you're standing below you and the guy's gun that was strapped to his back has fallen and it's at your feet so what does your character do um gonna pick it up and like quickly dismal it throw it Uh, into the bushes that's so cool though (laughs) yeah that's great i love it so yeah so we, we we wipe over to the camp okay and we get the briefest of shots of Julie, and she's not captured. We see her like peek around a building, and then we see, and then like we see like some guys walk by, and she hides. So, so I'm gonna say she's not captured, but she's definitely like in their camp and like hiding. Mm, okay, that's gonna be that's gonna be how we're gonna bring in the subplot issue. So now you are you've arrived at the camp. There's been no other instances of 
of fights. Okay. So what's your plan now that you're here? Well, let's see what the layout is and how many people I think might be there. I'm going to say that because you already know the lay of the land, you don't need to roll for this. Okay. What I'm going to say is, yeah, because you've sort of, you know the lay of the land well enough that I'm going to say that you're able to get some time to study and sort of get a feel for it. From what you've been able to see, there's about like, eh, dozen, maybe, maybe 15, 20 guys total. Okay. All kind of similarly armed to the trio of guys you saw earlier. A lot of like M16s, a lot of like uh, black market military runoff weapons. You you can tell where Dutch's tent is. Okay. Because it is very, it is obviously nicer than everybody else's. He is clearly getting kickbacks from someone <laughs> and is living a much higher level of comfort than his uh, compatriots. Okay. And the one thing you notice is. As you're kind of, like, silently watching people, everyone is very happy, but sort of, like, how to describe it? Kind of fakely happy. You know what I mean? Oh, like they might be under a spell. Yes, exactly. Magic. (laughs) Yep, now now we're on the same page. (laughs) Any clue where the sword might be? Any... Um, well, judging, I know um, McDade told you earlier that, that the sword was probably with the Dutch. Like, So it's probably, if you had to guess, you'd guess that it's in Dutch's tent. Okay. Uh, um, I didn't ask if I have any kind of gear on me. they give me any stuff? You have survival gear? I mean... I have duct why tape. Why don't you make... I know that. <laughs> you've got duct tape. You've got... A, you've got... You've got duct tape. Um, why don't you make me, and this is going to... Actually, I'm going to invoke something. I'm going to compel something right now. Okay. I'm going to compel your... Uh, I'm going to compel one of your aspects. I'm going to compel your uh, martial arts uh, scientist thing. Okay. To say that um, because you are this world travel... Because you were, like, world traveling when they scooped you up, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna offer you a fate point. You can turn me down. You can spend a fate point to turn this down and say that you have survival gear. But I'm gonna offer you a fate point to say that you are essentially empty-handed. Okay. That that is the that is this that is the tricky position that you find yourself in because you because you were this tra- you're this wandering martial arts guy that was scooped up by the military. I'm gonna say that you don't have any like gear on you. Okay. That you're kind of working with your wits. So it's time to come up with a plan and a montage scene. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. So in my montage scene, I need to figure out some way of the chemicals of the jungle to create some, um, well, one thing's real easy is, hmm, you know what? Actually, let's see. What would be good here? I think what would be kind of neat is if I can make like a, like a bow and arrow type scenario. Where I can put together some kind of, some kind of little like uh, little flash bomb things on the on the. Arrows. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, I mean, we don't need to understand the exact science of it, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's almost like um, almost like when like when you spark magnesium, how it glows bright and it flashes and it's blinding, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of want something like that, and I want to try to create something like that. And, th- okay. and I think what might be also cool. So what I'm thinking about here is when ser- when it starts to get dark, <clears throat> I'm thinking about causing a, f- a delayed 
chemical reaction fire in the jungle okay. with some kind of uh, something that would make a loud sound, too. So it'll draw them out there. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I'll have a trap there for them, whoever goes out there. And while they're out there, I'm going to use those my bow and arrow stuff to like uh, cause another distraction on one side of the camp. So that I can sneak around and try to get over to Dutch. That makes so much sense. So I'm gonna say that this is um I'm gonna say that this is an attack. Okay. That you're making with gadgetry, your gadgetry skill. Okay. Against the general, against just the general mob. So if you do this, you'll deal damage to the general. You'll, you'll just you know take out the general mob, and we'll move towards the uh, final, towards the big climax. Cool. As you sort of clear the clear the field of these moves. And I guess before we do that, I didn't see any evidence of Julie today. Why don't you make me an awareness roll? Okay. So I wrote a um, five and a three. So two, so that's four. That is... I'm gonna... Uh, so I, so that is not enough at the moment to, to find her, but if you invoke your lay of the land aspect, uh-huh. the advantage that you made, if you use that free invocation... You can you can add two to your roll, which will be enough to uh, find Julie. Yeah, let's do that because I need to know okay. where she's at. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is, oh goodness, this is so wonderfully eighties. I'm really excited. <laughs> what happens is you're like sneaking around, and the, the tense music is playing, and then we cut back, and Julie is like snapping photos, and is like peeking over walls, and we cut back and forth, and you're both, like, creeping around, and then we cut to, like, a wide shot, and you're both, like, backing up, and then you just back right into each other, and are both, like, the <laughs> and you're, like, shifting each other. I think she should actually, like, snap a shot at me, and then, like, do a still shot of my, my surprise reaction for that POV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... And you know that when you get out of this, that's going to be the cover photo. Of course. Like, spoiler alert. But... <laughs> All right, so cool. now she's um, right in front of you. If you wanna, if you wanna tell her to do anything or interact with her in any way before you go about making your plan. Um, so it'll be just like uh, you know, I'm so glad I found you. You know, um, what are you doing here? Let's just start like that. See what she says. What am I doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm here covering the story of my career. Did you know that? And she like looks around. Have you heard that they have the sword of McLeod? I do. And, you know, there can only be one of those. <laughs> there can only be one of those. Uh, and that's why I'm here, to get the sword back from these mercenaries. This you, magic sword. She, she knows about magic, right? So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, this is not, this is neither of your first rodeos. Okay. So, yeah. She's like, okay, fine. You, the fight that we were having is not settled. So, here's what we're going to do. You go your way. I'll go mine, and hopefully we both win, and we both get, we you know, I get my cover story, and you, I don't know, save the world, or whatever it is you do, when you're not taking time to take me to dinner. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should do that. It's too dangerous. I tell you what, let's, why don't you help me, and I'll help you. You can take some photos as we go. I suppose this can be a hero story instead of an expose. <laughs> Fine. And so she's going to tag along with you. And I promise you a great dinner afterwards. 
Hopefully, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold you. Hopefully, that bugs. Hopefully, that bugs. I'm gonna hold you. That that's all I'm saying. Okay. So yeah. So she's um at your back. Okay. So let's do that montage thing. Now I have. Okay. You can also have elements where I'm going. Okay, and put this here and there, and she's gonna help me out with some of that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's exactly what's happening. Maybe some comical so, moments where she slips or messes up, and I mess up. And like, she like <laughs> she slips, and you have to like grab her to keep her. And yeah. at one point, at one point, you're about to do something, and she's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" Snaps a picture, and she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> yep. And you're both like sniping at each other, and it's like you know, it's kind of adorable because it's it's the eighty, it's an eighties like bickering couple. So over Sam and Diane. <laughs> Do we both have big 80s hair? Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah, describe to me the specific brand of 80s hair that your character has. <laughs> uh, let's just go with, well, we can either do MacGyver or we could try to do, um, what was that? Was it Renegade? You remember that movie? That oh, shirt? yeah. No, I th- I think that you've got the Lorenzo Lamas yeah, Renegade. Yeah, let's do Lorenzo Lamas the real, real beautifully feathered hair. <laughs> Uh, I think that she's got real crimped. Her hair is real crimped. Like, she's got that Bonnie Tyler hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Real 80s. Uh, okay, great. God, I, lo- I love this game. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, make me that gadget roll. Oh, yes. To take out some take out some of these guys. Okay. Hopefully this will work. If not, maybe I'll... I might, might have to pull in one of my aspects here. Alright. The number you want to beat is a five, so you really just have to you really have to just get at least one to like do some damage. Okay, so I wrote a five first, and then I wrote a six second. Okay, so you've got a minus one, so you ended at a four. So if anything any of your aspects that you can claim to help you in this situation, you currently have four fate points. Yeah, let's... As well as you already actually, you also have an invocation of the traps that you've already sort of laid in the mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. So you have, you can invoke up to five things. Yeah. Depending on how much damage you want to do. Um, how much would you suggest? How much would get these guys? Um, we'll say I'm gonna, these guys have three stress boxes, but I'm not, but I'm also using them for the boss. So I'm gonna say, um, if you do invoke two things, mm-hmm. if you can point to two of your aspects that'll help you, mm-hmm. then that'll take them out. So I think the lay of the land combined with the action scientist part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's perfect. Yeah. I think that what happens is it's exactly like you described. Like you fire off, like the chemical fire draws them in. You flash bang them with your with your bow and arrow that you've that you've patchworked together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other half of it is like they're like scan- scattered around, and you're kind of dropping out of trees and like knocking them, giving them knockout punches. <laughs> that sounds good. And Julie's Julie snapping the whole thing, and she's got stars in her eyes, and she's remembering why you two are together. It's just it, there should be one where somebody's coming around the corner, or I guess the tree or something, and she uses her flash on her camera to blind them, and, oh, then, they- and then I take them out. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Your back is turned, and your back is turned, and there's a dude with a knife, and she does. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now all these these mooks are mostly all taken out. Okay. They're kind of scattering. They're freaking out. They're running around. They don't know what's going on. Okay. So Dutch's tent is wide open. 
All right. Let's try. Let's sneak towards it. You move. The two of you move silently, and you're finally working as like a well-oiled machine of a team. When what happens? And this is going to be the big final uh, climactic thing. Okay. And I'm going to invoke. I'm going to compel another one of your aspects. Mm, okay. So give you a sixth, a sixth fate or fifth fate fate point, and you can all. Uh, one thing to point out is if is if you do not want this to happen, you can spend a fate point to say to to veto it, and and we can change up the the. the, the we're going to go to the big climax, but if you want a different climax, you can spend a fate point to to veto. Okay. It. But I don't think you're going to want to because I'm pretty because I think this is a pretty good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you you open up the tent. Like, you pull the, the sleeve of the tent, you pull the door, you see it in a display case, you see the sword, and it's this beautiful, like, gem-encrusted scimitar. Mm-hmm. When from behind you, you hear a twig snap, and you, you go to, like, chide Julie for making noise, and behind you is the very man that killed your sensei no. and took over your clan. No. Is this guy going by the name Dutch? Yeah, yeah, let's, you know what, yes, that's that's even better than what I had in mind. I did not piece, put those two <laughs> things together, but yeah. He is another, he's a guy much like you in that sense. And we're going to do the brainstorming thing like we did with Sergeant McDade earlier. Okay. Where we lay out the details of this villain, and I think that's the perfect first one. Okay. Is um, that Dutch is also like an outsider. Is also like a, like a world-traveling guy like you. Uh-huh. So you get that. So even if even if we don't say it during the encounter, there's you know that beautiful element of like we're not so different. You <laughs> so why don't you tell me something about like what you think Dutch looks like, or maybe what his like fighting style is, or something like that. Give me some. Give me a give me a detail about Dutch as a villain. Okay. Let's um. Why don't we if we're gonna, if we were going to cast him, if you will, um, let's cast him as. It's, um, gosh darn Mark Maskos, is that his name? The guy who played the crow in the TV show. And he, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the TV crow. Yeah, and he's he's also on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, and all that jazz. <clears throat> he's a good martial arts actor. And he's Yeah. And let's make his fighting style a little more, uh, you know what Kapoea is like? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. make it a little like Ninjutsu meets Kapoea kind of thing. So he does some cool uh, acrobatic stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you meet him. So yeah. And the last thing I'm gonna say is that he goes by Dutch now. That's his like civilian name. But you know him. You know him as merely the man in red. Uh, I hope he's wearing red because he wore. He he's wearing a he's wearing. Yeah. Well, he's wearing a red bandana. Okay. And he's got. Um, I think he's he right. Yes. Okay. So here's here's exactly what happens with this with this the intro of this big fight. Okay. He steps out. He's wearing the same kind of like military vest as the other guys. He steps out. Like you hear the twig snap. You turn around and he's just looking at you and he's like, "It's been a while. How are you? Expecting someone else?" And he throws his vest aside and he puts on the very red gi that you saw him in when he killed your sensei. Ah, <sighs> you bastard. I mean, like, you, you're Dutch? That's right. That's my name, after all. You never asked it. You sort of just ran off, you know, after I killed your boss. 
And he's like, but, you know, I got kind of tired of running your dojo as he's, like, tying off his belt. So I kind of got out of it. Shut the whole thing down. What? Now then, I believe you and I have business. <laughs> and he points at Julie. You're going to want to take some photos. The great Dr. Max death at the hands of the man they call Dutch. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, yep. Hmm. It's going to get interesting. <laughs> um, so, really wish I took more fight. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, if you, you can fight him directly, you can use other tactics. Right yep. now, you are, like, up to face-to-face with him. It's, it's your call. I mean, um, I think what we're going to do, let me just grab some, let me grab some studs for him real quick. But I think what we're going to do is make a roll-off and just have, like, a proper fight that way. Okay. Do I see anything in the environment that could, I could use, either as a weapon or obstacle or something to trip him up? I'm going to say on your, tra- if there's something that you have in mind, you can, it'll, it'll be there. Okay. Especially if you spend a fate point to say that it's there, and then use that to get a bonus in an action. Uh-huh. So, for instance, if you were to spend spend a fate point to say, like, there's a barrel of gasoline that they're using for their jeep, and I want to blow it up, you could add plus two to whatever attack you wanted to make, and just say that, that, that that's there. Okay. That's one of the things about fate, is it's very into, like, if, I, if you want to do a cool thing, the stuff that you need to do that cool thing is available to you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, okay. I'm ready to go. So, um, choose, describe to me what your first move is, because I think that his first move is to start, like, doing the, like, capoeira sweeps uh-huh. as he, like, gets ready to, to come at you. Actually, I'm going to say his first move is just, like, trash-talking you as he gets ready to start fighting. So what's your first move? Choose one of your skills that suits, like, what your first plan is, and we'll roll off. Well, I think it might be kind of cool if I can do it, because we're right by his tent, right? Yeah. If there is, there happens to be, uh, like say there's a lighter or one one place, and maybe something uh, spray canish, or it'd be more elaborate than that if we want. If somehow, if I can maneuver where we're when we're fighting, that I can like maneuver my way around to grabbing those items until I can eventually use them, like in, in such okay. a way where he doesn't yeah. know what I'm doing necessarily. We're just fighting. Yeah. What I'm gonna call that is uh, we'll call that stealth as you're sort of like just moving slowly and trying to like mask your movements. Okay. So roll your stealth. You want to beat a four to like go faster than him before to like move before he gets his chance to start fighting. Okay. Let's roll it in. Got a four and a six. That might not have worked. So you got a three. So if you invoke one of your thing, if you use one of your fate points, and you have five of them, yeah, this is the final battle, so I should, um, you know, I guess it could be the, I guess it's gonna have to be the kung fu action scientist. Okay, so yeah, you unless um, you want to use my hate and the blood feud. <laughs> I, act, I, I, I think either one of those works. <laughs> let's do. Bl- I think let's do. Let's uh, invoke the blood feud. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think the way that that uh, gets invoked is that like. You're having this intense stare down, and he's so the he you're you're you start, I guess, egging him on a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever seen The Incredibles, but when they talk about like monologuing, oh yeah, 
and you get him to start monologuing just enough that you can grab, because he's obviously got some hairspray in his tent, because it's the 1980s. Oh, of course. <laughs> so he's got some hairspray and a comb, or in a, like he's got some hairspray and you've got a lighter on you, or he's got a lighter because he's got cigarettes, because he's a bad guy in the 80s, and smoking is wrong. <laughs> it is. It'll kill you. <laughs> Nancy Reagan, just say no. <laughs> This entire film was sponsored by Nancy Reagan. That's just, that's, in case you were wondering where that, in case you were wondering how this movie got uh, made. I thought so. Um, it's going to be in the credits. So, yeah. So you, you grab the lighter that's by those cigarettes and you grab the hairspray. You can go ahead and make an attack. Now, now on your turn, you can make an attack. Okay. Using your gadgetry. Gadgetry? Which I assume is where you were headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He's going to try to block it. He's going to try to, like... In fact, I'm going to... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, first row... Oh, man. It's a one. Second is a three. Good boom. Okay, so you got a minus two. Mm-hmm. This is another situation... You can tie him on a zero, because he... Because I felt an aspect for him to say that he was so cocky and arrogant that he didn't get to use his cool combat stat and he had to just roll off of a zero and he rolled a zero. So if you if you can tie him on a tie him by spending one aspect or beat him and deal him damage by invoking two or more. And you've got four and you still have those traps. If you can if you can push him into some traps. Okay. Um so yeah, let's try to push him into one of the traps then. Okay. So now you've you've tied him at zero. So what that means is you can spend one more to deal him damage, or you can... Oh, wait, actually, hold on. I think you actually are... I think that's exactly what you needed to deal damage, because I think... Well, in gadgetry, I had a plus five, so... I've been... Plus five, plus your... Um... Oh, yeah, wait. Yeah, I'm sorry. We forgot to add your gadgetry roll, plus your bonus for using and duct tape, because you described three mundane objects. Huh? So you're at a... S- so you're at five now, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so you actually don't... You can spend... You can say that he, like, dodges fire and runs into a trap if you want. But as is, you've already dealt him five damage. Okay, let's just do that. Okay, yeah, so he takes... He's going to Narmok off of three stress pots. And I'm going to say he's going to take a mild consequence, which means he absorbs two damage. But there's now an aspect in play of burned hair. <laughs> Not my hair. Yeah, he's like, my beautiful hair! Come on, man! I spent hours getting this to look like the guy from the Karate Kid. You know, the good guy. Johnny! <laughs> so now you have a free invocation of that aspect as well. Okay. Of his burnt hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you can find a way to use that to your advantage in some way. Uh, I can, uh... How did he kill my master? Or my sensei, I mean. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? Hmm. How would he kill my, my, my sensei? Because uh... I, I have an idea, but if you have a really... If you have something in mind... No, it's like, your idea. You know, that, okay. My idea was that, like... Because it's, mar- it's a martial arts movie, so it's got to be, like, a duel. Mm-hmm. Like, he challenged him to a duel for control of the dojo. And the big thing is that he cheated. Mm. Like, he, like, raked the face or something, and then went for the kill strike. And then, like he, like won the he won the fight because it wasn't a duel to the death. He won the fight and then killed him, like snapped his neck on the ground. So he both cheated to win and then dishonored him by taking the fight beyond the place of honor. Okay. 
What else is in this tent? It's, like I said, it's a very nice life, it's a very nice, like, living tent. So, there's, the sword is on, is on, like, essentially, like, a display case. Is in the middle of the tent. There's, like, a very, very nice, like, air mattress. Because it's still, like, a tent, but it's, like, a really nice one. So, there's, like, a nice, like, expensive-looking air mattress. There's one of those big Hollywood-style vanity mirrors with the lights on the side. With all sorts of beauty supplies, because he's a very vain man. Um, various weapons are scattered around, magazines, bottles of alcohol, just lifestyle stuff. If there's something specific that you want for a cool stunt, let me like let me know and it's it'll be there. So what would be interesting, I was wondering if maybe I could gra- I could like flip backwards, grab the sword, um, and then maneuver by the mirror and kind of mock him with his hair to get him like the right angle basically get up to me so okay. that he, he sees reflection of sorts. And then <laughs> there's a lot of, and then, but if uh, somehow, because, you know, Julie and I know each other so well, and we've been working together so well at this point that uh, she gets a clue of what I'm trying to do. And she uses her flash of her, of her camera into the mirror to distract, you know, like blind him for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that's how the fight's gonna go. If you can do all of that, then you can you can you can get in to like take him out. Okay. Succeeding at all those things will succeed in taking him out. If he succeed, if he stops you at any point, mm-hmm. he'll make an attack on you. That's how we're gonna rule. Okay, sounds good. So first thing I want you to do is make me an athletics roll that he is going to oppose. Okay. So we got a three and a four. Er. Hopefully you rolled right back. <laughs> He rolled pretty well. Okay. So, yeah, so he's, so we're going to say that he's going to make an attack on you as, as you flip back to grab the sword. Um, so he's going to make an attack on you. Defend. So describe an action, describe how you defend against an attack and then roll that skill check against the six. What's he doing to me? Um, He is doing capoeira. So he's doing like spin kicks and things. And he's really like, he's just like, Lay. He's. You got. Actually, you know what he's doing? What's that? Because you got him mad. He's not doing capoeira. Uh-huh. He's just running at you and just throwing haymakers. <laughs> um. He's just a. He's just a bull in a china shop at this point. Like just rampaging. Because you messed up his beautiful hair. <laughs> I'm going to try to. Um. I'm going to try to like. Like sweep a kick to kind of like a crescent kick almost to block some okay. of his punches and kind of also help me push off of him a little bit to get me some more distance from from him towards sword. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So what's that going to be like? Is that fight? That's going to be fight. Okay. So I wrote a six and a what is this? A one or a four? A one. Okay. That's um. That is enough to def- successfully defend him. You you block off his attacks. You catch him off guard. You like elbow the. You throw a back elbow. You shatter the thing. And now the sword of McLeod is in your hand. It could only be one. <laughs> Queen is just blaring in the background. <laughs> so I want to maneuver if I'm not already towards that mirror. So the mirror is angling towards him. Okay. So make. Uh, make an ath- make an ath- athletics or stealth, depending on how you're moving. 
Uh, I want to. It's going to be sneakish, so he doesn't know what I'm trying to. That when I'm. That I'm okay. Yeah. 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 So we'll call that. Um. We'll call that stealth. Alrighty. Uh, three. He's got a five. and a one. So that's uh, two plus my plus five stealth. So that's, that's seven. That is enough to get to the mirror. Okay, great. And so now you now you can make an attack and you can use his burned hair as well as the sword. Yep. To to see if how much see if you can deal him some real damage. So I'm gonna mock his hair to get him over there and hopefully I'm, this whole time I've been trying to sig- signals to Julie. You know the 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 telepathic looks, if you will, like in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys are, like I said, you guys are, you guys are, you found that, that 80s couple magic. You're ready. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. And what, what do I need to, and whatever. Um, we'll call this, so wait, I'm, oh, I want to make sure, uh, so Julie's gonna flash him, right? Yeah, so the goal is that I've maneuvered with the sword to where the yeah. mirror's so off you- to my side, but point him. And, I'm going to mock him, his hair that's supposed to distract him, so he's rushing about okay. thinking. And also, when she flashes, that's going to blind him, so it's going to be like double disadvantage to him, so I can, I can Yeah, him. okay. And it'll be like, for my sensei. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to say, um, that's going to be a provoke roll, which is a plus zero, but I'm going to give you a plus two on it for free. And say that it's essentially an invocation of Julie as a char- as like a character. So I'm gonna say roll off of a plus two, and I'll see if he can figure out what you're doing and possibly stop it. So that's a five and a two. So that's a five. He rolled a three, so you deal him two. Um, four damage because you invoked the burned hair. So, alright, yeah. Um, he's gonna still be in the fight, Mm -hmm. but he's gonna take a moderate, he's gonna take a moderate consequence. If he takes anything else at this point, he's gonna go down. So I'm gonna say he is blinded. You get a free invocation of that. Okay. So this is, this is, this is the big final, what's, what's your final move here? (laughs) What's the killing blow? Um, so to speak, I don't know if you plan on Killings. Yeah, I probably shouldn't. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be your decision to make when the time comes. I struggle with it every day. Um, <laughs> um, so let's see here, what would be a good final? Because I don't think I, he would just outright kill him because it's, it's a little dark. Actually, I have a suggestion. Sure. So you have the sword in your hand. Mm-hmm. And you feel, like, in that moment, as you're, like, being like, oh, I should kill him, you feel the power. And in an instant, you are standing before a thousand, like, you're, 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 you're whisked away to another time and place, and you're standing between a thousand strong army as you, like, wave the sword in your hand, and they, like, pledge fealty to you. And suddenly you are, like, leading a cavalry charge a hundred years later. And the sword is in your hand, and you're just flashed to all these points where an army is at your command, mm. and you feel the power of this sword in your hand. So, I could use it to call forth this... You can use its magical powers to do question mark. Who knows? <laughs> but we still got some mercenaries, right? So I could call forth them to to help me fish. That's... Yes, that is exactly what you can do with the sword. Okay, let's do that. Okay, make me a knowledge roll then, is what we'll call that. Okay. 
as you sort of, um, yeah, we'll call that knowledge, as it's sort of a, a, like a magical thing. Okay. And maybe I'll invoke Relic Hunter if I need to here. Yeah, you've certainly got the aspects to spare. Or the fate points to spare. Yeah, might as well. I think you have three at this point. Oh, man, I'm going to need two, because I just wrote one. And I wrote another one, so at least they cancel each other out. Um... So you got a two, you need a five if you spend two of your three fate points and invoke two aspects. Let's do it. And one of the aspects can be just the sword. Okay. So you want to invoke... Relicunder and the sword? Yeah. Yeah, you you know just the right thing to say, because this is what you do. And the big big moment is Julia's watching this as you, like, channel the power of the sword... And, like, mercenaries come from all sides, and you just point at them, and they hold him down. Like, they tackle him, and they hold him down, and your eyes are, like, glowing white. And she's just like, I always thought he was exaggerating. <laughs> and she's, like, snapping photos. And then I'm going to do the, the like, tension, like, flashes of him murdering my teacher, and I'm tempted to, 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 to slash down and kill him. And the last minute, I will thump him with the the, the, the hilt of the sword knock him out. And he, and he gets knocked yeah. out. Yeah. So the last... So though we, we you, you hit him. As you hit him with the hilt of the sword, there's a flash. And we get, like, the swirling uh, newspaper. <laughs> okay. And it's... And despite the fact that Julie got much better photos, it is 1,000% the, like, awkward, embarrassed one when she, like, didn't realize she was snapping her picture. Of course. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, huge arm de- arms deal exposed. Huge arms deal exposed, like the daring tale of one action scientist saving the world. <laughs> so, we cut to the last thing is, it's like a black tie gala, and you know, you're being celebrated. There's a black tie gala, you're in a tuxedo, Julie is in a beautiful dress, but she still has the camera because she's still working. Because she's always working. She's got a pager with her. And you're... Yeah. (laughs) Big 80s pager. It's amazing. Yeah, so she's she's doing all of this, and there's this big gala, and the last thing that we see is there's a song, and you're, you're dancing, and you, like, whisk her into your arms, and you go in to give her a kiss, at which point you just hear from the other room, Get out, Mac! It's McDade! We've got work to do! And you both look at the camera and you're like, no, here we go again. <laughs> Freeze frame and credits roll. And that is game. Cool. That was fun. That was super fun. I like that. Yeah, I've always wanted to play Fate. So that's really cool. Yeah, I like Fate a lot. It's maybe my favorite, all around favorite game of all the games. And I really like Shadow of the Century. I think it's a great little setting that they, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think so too. I, I never really, I didn't even really play, um, Spirit of the Century, either, but it's cool learning more about that, too. Yeah, it's I, neat. So, um, real quick, because this is a playtest, I wanted to get it on camera. I just wanted to ask you, point blank, especially as somebody that hasn't played a Fate game before, sure. uh, in particular, and if the answer, and, you know, nothing is an acceptable answer, um, is there anything that particularly worked, or particularly, or that you particularly struggled with? through the, the pitch session to character creation to playing the game itself? Um, you know, I think the character creation was pretty pretty easy overall. Um, I I think I felt like it was. It was the, 
just a few steps to follow. Yeah, I thought it, it, it went pretty seamlessly, considering that we basically did it from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, the only thing, and I know that's always a thing with uh, fate, once you have to learn, is the aspects, just to, to understand yeah. the power of it. Um, but no, I mean, I, I liked how it went overall. I thought it was it went well. There's a pretty simple game awesome. overall, so... Yeah, I, I liked it. And I liked all the setting stuff. I think there's a lot of really great I love I like the roles a lot. I think that's a great way to like get a lot of character filled in really quickly. I really like I haven't seen it in a game in a fate game before, but like the faces thing, the like collaborative character building stuff that we did with NPCs. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in a fate it may be in there, but I haven't seen it before and I really like that. Yeah, I really like that too. I think it helps you. Um, it helps you build the world and and have the, the players be involved in it too. So it's not just yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's neat. Awesome. Well, Marks, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, you're very welcome. It was a lot of fun. Um, real quick, <clears throat> why don't you run down um where people can find you online, find your work? Sure. So I have a website. It's MarksPyle.com, M-A-R-X-P-Y-L-E. Um, also, you can find your entertainment at SciFiPulseRadio.com, which is part of SciFiPulse.net. And, um, uh, and then my books on Amazon and all the normal bookstores. Cool, cool, cool. Well, so I, well, like I said, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. This was a blast. Um, and I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the all show. Right. Take a future me. Thanks, Fast Me. And thanks again to Marks for coming on to the show. That was awesome. I feel like we nailed that 80s action movie tone the Shadows of the Century is going for. Be sure to check out Marks' work at MarksFile.com and follow him on Twitter at MrMarks. Then while you're on Twitter, you can follow this show at Party of One Pod. Then hop over to Facebook and like the show at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. And if you really love the show, consider telling a friend iTunes reviews, social media shoutouts, and word-of-mouth recommendations help the show achieve bigger, better, and cooler things, and really do mean the world to me. Party of One is produced by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. This episode edited by Jeff Stormer. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Ran featuring the D&D Sluggers. Until next time, party people, thanks for listening, and remember, you don't need money. Don't take fame. You don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong, and it's sudden. And it can be cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's Power Love, my friends. (laughs) 